What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ive, joined as always by David Lake. Hurricanes in the middle of a bye week. Uh, Miami just won their third straight game, taking down Louisville. Uh, they've reached bowl eligibility. Um, so now they get a nice little break here to really get some recruiting done uh, before they finish the season against Florida International, and then they travel to uh, Duke. David, um, how are you enjoying the bye week? Yeah, bye week uh, in the middle of a winning streak, so life is good, right? I mean, uh, let's get to this recruiting stuff. You ready? Yeah, let's kind of let's kind of dig into it. All right. So, yeah, I guess, you know, the guy everyone will want to know about is Mr. Five-Star Linebacker Justin Flo out of California. Took his official visit to Miami this past weekend uh, around the Louisville game. Uh, tell us about kind of what we need to know following that visit with Justin Flo. Yeah, I mean, that was the big headliner that was at Hard Rock Stadium for the win over Louisville. I think... Uh, aside from maybe the rain in the, I guess it was the first and second half, uh, the game couldn't have gone any better. I mean, Flo's flight was a little delayed. He took that that red eye in um, from the West Coast, but he was there in the second half. I mean, he got to see Miami uh, win and win in convincing fashion. So uh, he stayed on campus Sunday, stayed in, in Coral Gables, and ended up flying out early Monday. Um, the initial returns early on was that things went as about as good as they could have. I mean, normally the, the, the official visit feedback is always positive. Um, so you right. kind of want to see what, what, it, what happens in the days leading afterwards. And uh, Greg Biggins, who's our uh, 24-7 Sports West Coast analyst, he actually spoke to Flo, um, had some good quotes we had up on the site. Uh, my takeaway is I, I think Miami shot its shot. I mean, they did it as best as they could on this official visit. Um, you know, they're battling Clemson and they're battling Georgia and they're, and they're battling Oregon. And all those schools are in the college football playoff right now. Um, all those schools have, are, are always in the college football playoff conversation, it seems like. Uh, and he's going to take visits to all three of those ones before the early signing period. So I think if Miami uh, were to sign a Justin Flo, it's going to have to be because he loves Miami. He loves the city. He loves the environment. He wants to go to school here. Uh, in, in South Florida with the palm trees and, and the nightlife, and he doesn't want to spend the next three to four years um, in, in Clemson or Athens uh, or a place like that. So Miami really tried to pitch that during the official visit. They had Gilbert Frierson host him. Uh, there were some people on our message board that are confused as to why Frierson was the guy they picked. Uh, but if you, I mean, uh, David, I think you were on campus when uh, Frierson was back in the summer. I mean, he's a character. basically back. Yeah, he's a character. I mean, so basically uh, sidetrack story, but it's a funny one. Uh, you know, Miami's players will referee the seven on seven tournaments um, in, in the summer months because that's how they Miami kind of is able to pay them. I mean, they're working at camp as a camp counselor. Anyways, Gilbert Frierson, I think he was hosting like Romello Height. Um, and from what we heard, uh, Frierson and, and Romello Height had been out pretty late the night prior, and uh, Frierson was there bright and early, 7.30 a.m., uh, reffing some seven-on-seven. Seven. So the staff refers to him as uh, Mr. 305, or I guess Mr. Miami, really. So I think, I think that was a good pairing. But again, if Miami gets Justin Flo, it's not going to be because of the product on the field. It's because he fell in love with what he's seen in that football facility um, and just the city, really. So Manny, Manny Diaz still has one more in-home visit or one in-home visit to use with him. Is that right? Between now and signing day? No, he's, got a, he's actually got three to use. So how, how this works is right okay. now we're in the middle of, a, uh, of the evaluation period. So that opened up on September 1st. Uh, it's going to close here, I think, November 29th. Don't hold me to that. I know I should know this off the top of my head. And basically during that time, you as you get a certain amount of evaluation days. Every day, every school gets them. Uh, you can visit a school once. Um, you can't talk with a kid, but you can watch them practice. Uh, you can talk with their coaches. Uh, you can attend one of their games. And uh, so you can only do that once. Miami has yet to do that, uh, yet to go out to see Justin uh, in California. Um, 
I, I think there's a very good chance that happens this Friday. I mean, you try to build on that momentum you picked up from the official visit. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, one of these private jets is being used on Friday and the Hurricanes go and see them um, because they're going to try to keep keep that, that foot on the pedal. I mean, right now they got a lot of momentum uh, and you want to keep that going. So once they get that visit out of the way, then they'll have a chance to do, I, I, I believe it's two, uh, well, the staff will have a chance to have three in-home visits. Manny's only going to have a chance at one in-home visit. Okay. So that's a way, you know, to continue the face-to-face communication while he's taking these visits to schools like Georgia and Clemson, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you're, you're trying to fight as hard as you can. I, that, that's one way to do it. I mean, Justin has said, he told me when I spoke to him on the phone the, the, in the days leading up to his visit that he's got a very good relationship with Stephen Field, uh, Miami's tight ends coach who was at Oregon, uh, has a lot of West Coast ties, so... Um, you try to FaceTime him as much as you can, but yeah, getting in home uh, will be big. And, and keep in mind that Justin's also got some some family that lives in South Florida, so I think that's kind of working in Miami's uh, favor as well. Anything else on Florida? Should we move on to the next guy? Uh, I'll say this: you know, I, I, if I had a guess today, I think he still probably ends up at Clemson. Uh, I was talking to Greg Biggins; he, he agrees with me, but. He said he thinks that Miami gave Flo a lot to think about, and I agree. I mean, from what I heard from the people I talk with uh, in UM's football facilities, they feel like they, they made a move. They don't think they're getting him. I'm, I'm not saying that, but they do think um, you know, they have a fighting chance, and I think that's – I mean, you take that. That's a success, uh, yeah. Yeah, right? Like, and, and people always say, well, do official visits ever go bad? I mean, yeah, they, they do. I mean, honestly, they do sometimes. Kids are here just using it as a vacation, and I don't think – that was the intent uh, Justin got. Like he wasn't here to stay at the Ritz Carlton in Coconut Grove and get wined and dined. I think he really wanted to get a, a second look at Miami, uh, and Miami did a good job of putting together a good itinerary for him and showing him that you know he could be a fit here. All right. So Miami had one other official visitor this past weekend, along with Justin Flo, and that's local defensive back Jalen Harrell. Uh, former Florida State commit. He decommitted about, I don't know, maybe a month ago. Um, tell us the impression Miami made on him during his official visit. Uh, I don't want to use the same line, but I think this is another visit that went as good as it could have gone. I mean, Jalen, uh, his team had a bye. He's at Champagnat Catholic. They play in the, the 2A classification in FHSAA. Um, so he came in on Friday with his parents. Got a chance to see the team go through a walkthrough, got a tour campus, meet with the academic people, um, sat in on some of the meetings on Friday night, Saturday. Uh, he went to the game with his parents. Afterwards, they went out to dinner. His player host was uh, Greg Russo, who went to Hialeah Champagnat Catholic. And then Sunday morning, he ate breakfast, or, or I should say brunch, at Manny Diaz's house. Um, I think Miami right now is the team to beat. I haven't crystal balled him there just yet because he hasn't really given a timeline for a decision. I think that's kind of leaving the door open for another school to get involved. Uh, he's still going to visit, I think it's UCF, uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Georgia Tech's also a bit of a dark horse in this recruitment. They're not getting mentioned enough. So um, I, I think Miami did a real good job. I don't think he has given Miami indication that he's coming, but it certainly seems like it's trending in that right in, in the right direction. And at this stage, is it fair to say that UCF is probably the biggest competition right now? Eh, I would say yes, because I, from what I've been told, there is some family ties. Uh, I, I think Jalen's father is close with Randy Shannon, who's the defensive coordinator there in Orlando. But don't count out Georgia Tech. Um, I, I reported, okay. I think it was on Tuesday, that I kind of uncovered um, the fact that Jalen had taken an under-the-radar visit to uh, Georgia Tech when he was committed to Florida State. So don't rule them out. I think he's got a good relationship uh, with that staff there. I th- also think we mentioned this on the post-Georgia Tech game podcast following that loss. Like, Geoff Collins is going to have it cranking there, I think. They, they do a very good job. So um, don't don't rule out the Yellow Jackets just yet. And then tell us about... Because you, you mentioned, but his host was Greg Rousseau, right? And uh, it seemed like Miami definitely knew what they were doing when they paired Rousseau and Harrell. You know, they paired Rousseau to host Harrell on his official visit. Tell us why. Uh, because they're very similar personalities. Um, Greg is 
one of the nicest kids out there on the team. We talk about this all the time on the podcast, but um, he's kind of like a homebody. He's not a guy who's going to be going out or, or anything like that, and he kind of just gets along with everyone, and Jalen Harrell seems to be the same way. So I think that's kind of why they made that that pairing. I think Jalen told me that the, him and Greg just ended up playing 2K on, on the Saturday night after the game, 2K the video game, and uh, they kind of just hung out. So I think it was smart. You also have that school connection there, um, Greg being from – uh, probably Champagnat's most famous alum. I'm, uh, by when it's all said and done, I'm going to assume. And then you got Jalen there, so I think it was it was a real smart pairing. And I also did write. Uh, I also wrote about this as well. I think the emergence of Greg Russo is only going to help uh, Miami and South Florida when it comes to recruiting, just because, like I said, everyone loves Greg Russo. He, he's a nice guy. He gets along with everyone. And I think. Um, Kids in South Florida are going to are, are will be able to see like, hey, you can go to Miami and you can raise your draft stock. You can go to the league and uh, you can become a national star. I mean, it's, it's pretty safe to say that this time next year, Greg Russo is going to be a household name. So um, I, I think they're going to start using Greg a lot more uh, as a, a as a host on official visits moving forward. And then you you've mentioned in the past, I know Jalen has. A playoff run coming up starting this week right um has he set did you say has he set official visits to other schools yet or is that kind of in flux depending on how the playoff run goes for his high school it it, it seems like the playoff run is, is going to kind of dictate a little bit of that i know he's going to get to ucf uh thanksgiving weekend i i think i mean that's what he's scheduled to do but that UCF USF game is is on Black Friday, so I don't know. I mean, he re- he told me that Florida, or excuse me, Miami, UCF, and uh, Georgia Tech were really the three schools he was looking at. So we'll see if another school gets involved. I mean, who knows what the coaching changes? I, I think Florida State, whoever they hire, would probably give him a call. So we'll we'll kind of see how that pans out. But I do think he might have a a weekend or two to use before that uh, early signing period. And then last thing on him I have for you. I know, you know, early in the process, maybe he was intrigued or or open to playing corner as kind of a big corner. I know Miami wants him as a safety. Does he care what position he is at the next level? Does he have a preference on on where he'd like to play? I'm under the impression that he wants to be a safety and Miami wants him to be a safety and he wants to play safety. That's what he's playing right now for – Hylia Champagnat. So I think he's going to be a safety and I think he's be a pretty good one. Okay. And then, uh, last thing, I guess uh, on this weekend, uh, previous weekend outside of those official visitors, we, we just talked about, it seemed like there was definitely notable names or, or people around the big recruits that were also in attendance. Who, who should we know? Who should the fans know about that was at the Louisville game? outside of the official visitors so the three i would bring up are jane and francois the safety from south dade a former actually a two-time former miami commit he was there so was south dade offensive lineman jonathan dennis who's currently committed to oregon and then you had florida state linebacker uh commit jayon mccluster all three of those guys were there um i was expecting Jaden to be there but those other two were were surprises uh First thing I want to point out is I think this is kind of a testament to when things are going good, it's it's pretty easy to recruit at Miami. Um, someone told me that Jonathan Dennis actually reached out to the staff the night the Hurricanes beat Florida State and said, hey, I'm going to be at the next home game. So, huh. um, you know, like when, when Miami's winning, it, it's easy to get these kids out to these type of events. So those are the three that were kind of not surprises, but somewhat noteworthy because they were all there unofficially. And I know information can, like, at this stage of the recruiting game, information can be very hard to get. Uh, with Jaden, you you did a recent update with him about some official visits he's setting. Tell us more about that. Yeah, he's he's going to be one where there's going to be a lot of takes from a lot of fans over the next couple of weeks just because um, certain people I don't think are happy with how his role recruitment has played out. But uh, the reality is Miami's still recruiting him. Uh, I think Miami would still probably take him. And why do I think that? Well, he's going to take an official visit uh, the weekend of December 13th, which is that final weekend right before the early signing period. He also has visits lined up to Nebraska and to Indiana. So, um, huh. 
yeah. You know, there was a time when we thought it was Ohio State or Florida that was where was where he was going to land, and now it looks like it's um, two middle of the pack Big Ten schools, and you could even argue that they're a little bit lower than that. So uh, I I would not count Miami out in this recruitment just yet. And then Jonathan Dennis, you you mentioned him reaching out to Miami. Do you feel like the interest is mutual? Do you feel like it's a kind of a wait and see? Like Miami's going to feel that out too. Uh, what sense do you get there, maybe from Miami's perspective on Dennis? That recruitment's been weird, man. Um, it, it really has. You know, he's another guy who's formerly committed to Miami. Now he's uh, currently committed to Oregon. I, I just, uh, it depends on who you ask. I think Miami's still kind of split on him. I know when he committed to Oregon, he, he kind of told some people that, well, you guys could always come and get me. Um, so we'll see. I think I think Butch Berry isn't completely sold on him yet, which is why uh, Miami, which is why he's not committed to Miami, if, if we're being honest. Okay. And he's straight up center, right? Like he is, he has to be a center at the no, next No, I think he could be a guard. I think okay. he could be a guard. Okay. And then McCluster, he's a guy who... Honestly, he intrigues me. Yeah, you love his a, tape. I think he's got good tape. I know athletically he doesn't test well at this stage of his career. But, man, uh, you, you put on his tape, I see some Shaq Quarterman. And maybe that's a fair comparison. <laughs> why? Because they both can't run in coverage. Right. They're, both, they're not the most athletic guys, but they play well between the tackles. They play well in a box, and they know how to find the gap and play downhill. Um, so I think as a middle linebacker in Miami's system, McCluster would be a good fit. Do you have, no, do you have I, any vibes there? Like, is there, um, is there any information there? Again, I know it's hard to get anything these days, um, but what, what's the sense you get with McCluster in Miami? I think if Miami wants him to take an official visit, he'll take an official visit. Uh, just with a vacancy right now in uh, Tallahassee, uh, he's still committed there, but he said he's going to take some visits. He's the teammate of uh, AJ Mathis, the other linebacker commit. So the the thing is, is Miami's going to have to make some some decisions here because they got right. three linebackers committed. Um, I think there was a time when they could have took a fourth, but then Zach McLeod announced he's coming back, so they can only take they can only take three. I mean, they'll find room for a Justin Flo, but are they going to find room for uh, a Jayon McCluster? Are they going to right. Uh, push someone out I don't really know but he's he's someone that seems to be interested in Miami um, but Miami seems to just be kind of wait and see mode right now so let's jump into those number the numbers game you cool with that yeah let's let's do it okay. this is gonna be another big talking point over the next couple of weeks so right now Miami's what at 22 commits but like I think that's counting Antonio Smith who's really he shouldn't be viewed as a commit right Right. I mean, we we re- reported this before the Florida State game that we're not expecting him to sign with Miami. Um, I think some other outlets are now reporting that as well. Like, he's listed as a Miami commit, but Miami is not going to take him. So, knock that down. So, now we're down to 21. Um, Trayvon Riggins, the defensive tackle from St. Petersburg, Lakewood. I do not expect him to sign with Miami either. He's taken an official visit to Illinois, was scheduled to get to Arizona State. I'm not actually sure if he made that. I think there's a good chance he, he ends up uh, in Chicago with, or I'm sorry, in, in Champaign with Levy Smith. So now you're down to what? That'd be 20? 20. So what's yeah. the number? What what number are you hearing <laughs> is, is the ceiling for this class in terms of body count? So the number I've heard... And that and that is as of uh, Thursday morning. Yeah, this all changes. This is all very fluid. I know. It's 25. The most Miami can take is 25. You can only take 25 a cycle. It doesn't matter what happens with the transfers and whatnot. The number is going to be 25. That's what they can sign. So right now, 25. So anyone who's putting together a mock class or anything like that, 25 is the number to use. Now, how do they fill those final five spots? That's up for debate. But the number is going to be 25. It's not going to be 26. It's not going to be 27. It'll be 25. Now you're going to ask, well, they have, or someone's going to point out that they're going to have some extra scholarships available. That's true. 
Uh, Miami could fill those via the transfer portal, but they can't sign more than 25. So, uh, yeah, use 25. Okay, so let's just say right now Miami has five spots, right? Who are the guys that you feel like definitely, like the targets, definitely have a spot? Like Justin Flo would be one. Right. Uh, we, go ahead. Who, who would be the others? <laughs> well, Flo's one. I mean, let's not go with, like, I don't want to say this individual has a spot or, or whatnot. I mean, okay. it's pretty clear they're probably going to take one more wide receiver. Okay. Um, I think they want one more wide receiver. I would think two offensive linemen, um, a high school corner. So we're already at, what is that, four? And then I maybe best available. I think there's that. That would be that. Would, am I am I missing a position group right here? I mean, best available would be like a Darnell Washington, right? Uh, Jalen Knighton, Jalen Knighton, yeah, like a running back or something like that. I mean, the reality is, is Miami's very tight on numbers right now. They they got to figure out what they want to do. Um, something to keep in mind here is when they get into spring football, they want the numbers at certain positions to be to be to make sense. So what they don't want to do is if Jeff Thomas were to leave school early for the NFL draft, then Miami enters uh, spring practices with, I think it would be D. Wiggins, Mark Pope, um, who are the others? Jeremiah Payton, and Mike Harley. Harley. And they have, so they have four scholarship wide receivers. Am I missing anyone? If you count few, I mean, Marshall's no, so, few. So they have four. Okay. So it's like, and then Michael Redding's supposed to enroll early, but now you're at five. So I think there's and decisions is like is Restrepo enrolling early as yeah, well? Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna enroll early as well. They're saying receiver now, but I think he's more of just a utility guy. But that's my point. They got they have to figure out what they want to do in those certain in those certain scenarios, and it's a lot of roster management. So okay, you mentioned they they still we'll talk about receivers. They still want maybe one more receiver. If you were gonna predict who who do you feel like it would be, if if it's a high school guy? <sighs> well, I don't have any any of them crystal ball right now in Miami, but <laughs> the three names I would keep an eye on: Daz Worsham, um, the former Alabama commit who took an official visit to Miami back in June. I wrote on Sunday that contact I'm here in contact is actually picked up with him. Uh, as of late, so he's one to keep can an I, eye on. Can I ask you about him? Yeah, go ahead. So it's a podcast, you can ask. Does Bama want him? I think, from my understanding, after talking to our our Bama insiders, that's TBD. I think they're waiting to see what happens with some other guys. So uh, he could be someone that's kind of shopping for a home. Okay, and, and it look it appears in my opinion that Miami would be at the top of that list if Miami still wants him. Right. If yes. he passes on if Bama passes on him, Miami would be in a good spot to probably get him. Right, right, right. I okay. think Nebraska's also in there and then I've heard like Georgia Tech. So yeah. If Miami wanted him. So the other guys, who would the other guys at receiver be? Douglas Amillion, um, we've talked about him on this podcast, the late bloomer out of Fort Lauderdale American Heritage. He just took his first official visit of the recruiting process to Virginia. Also has trips lined up to West Virginia and Cincinnati. The word that keeps getting tossed around with him is polished. I think Miami um, likes him a lot, someone that they would take. Uh, and, and then the other two receivers kind of fall in the same category. And I know I said three, but I'm, I'm going four here. One of them is Kyron Lacey, who's a straight sleeper, a bit of an unknown out of Louisiana. He's currently committed to the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, a big-bodied receiver who a lot of people think has his best football ahead of him. Miami loves his tape. I mean, as soon as the staff watched it, they, they decided to offer him. So he's, he's in play. And then Malachi Wideman, um, who's a Florida State commit, two-sport two kid, another basketball player, but a legitimate basketball player like He's got basketball offers. He's at Venice High School, um, so he's in play as well. So that's really, I think, those four for maybe one spot or maybe even two spots, I guess, just depending on what they want to do. And you mentioned offensive line. I agree. Like, I think in terms of they need more bodies there in this class. 
I just have a hard time seeing how they're going to pull it off. Where do you think... (laughs) Like, it seems to me like they're kind of scrambling on the offensive line right now. Um, Is that... Is that wrong? Do you think that's fair? I guess where where I mean, are all right, things like, there? That's that's fair to say that they're scrambling, but my counter to that would be they scrambled last cycle, and most of the kids they scrambled for are starting on the offensive line now in, sure. in Ja'Kai Clark and Zion Nelson. So um, we saw a new offer go out on Wednesday night. We had that up on the site. Trod Jones. He's a center out of South Carolina, currently committed to South Carolina. Miami offered him, um, so he, he's he's going to be a name to know. Um, there's a few other guys that they are kind of in there. I mean, Jonathan Dennis, like we said, is an option. That's just kind of the the one position where we're waiting to see. Marlon Martinez, the LSU commit at St. Thomas Aquinas. Miami would love to get him in for an official visit, so I don't know. It's It would be projecting at this point just because – we don't know who's leaning where or how this is going to play right. out, but names seem to be emerging, which is what I kind of thought would happen all along. Last last position group I want to ask you about is DB. Um, okay, let's just say, best case scenario, right? Let's say Miami ends up getting the indication Jaden Francois wants back in and that they are going to get Jalen Harrell as well. Um well, <laughs> go ahead. I guess when I was counting those five, I didn't even include a DB, right? <laughs> right. I mean, I just don't like, you know what I mean? Like, I think, because they already have what? Brian Balaam committed, um, Keyshawn Washington. Those are two safeties, right? And then... Right. Um, you want Jalen Harrell, that's three. Um, I think they would take Jaden, so that's four. Would Jaden um, definitely be a safety? Yeah, I, I think okay. he would be. I mean, that's what he wants to play. Um, I mean, that's Darren a lot of Branch, safeties, right? Do they I know, need that many? Then, like, Darren Branch could be one as well. I, I think what could happen is one of these guys could end up being a striker. And if I, if I had to pay one of them, that would probably be Keyshawn Washington. But yes, safety is another, another interesting position. Um, so let's go back to that five. What did I say? I said a wide receiver. I said two on the OL. I say a high school corner or no? You did. You said high school corner and then safety seems to be one too. But then yeah. things like things do get tricky if a Darnell Washington says, yeah, I'm in. Or if Justin Flo somehow says, yeah, I'm coming to Miami. Then things do get tricky. In addition to, and we touched on it early, like a guy like Jayon McCluster, who's committed to Florida State. What if he says, okay, I want to come. I mean, do they make hard decisions with their current linebackers that are committed? So it's it's going to be very interesting to me this last month leading up to the early signing period, assuming Miami keeps winning and the momentum continues to build in a positive direction. It's not a bad spot to be in, though. Like, this is the right. spot you want to be in. Like, last year, Miami was in the defense. We got to hold on and grab and, and keep everyone. I mean, so, yeah, I no think this is, this is a good spot. This is where you want to be. This is why you take those kids early and then – you know, I think the word I was using a couple of months ago was, was unicorns. And I, I'm not saying some of these kids are unicorns they're chasing, but um, they're they're talented prospects. And we were kind of wondering if Miami was going to have the leverage to do this or if it was more of just just get what you can, keep what you can keep committed and, and, and go and get what you can. Um, and, and now it seems like they're actually shopping around, walking down, up and down the aisles, trying to get what they want. Anything else with recruiting? I know you're you're putting together your lists of where the staff will be, you know, visiting this weekend. It, does it, from the early stuff you've gathered, does it look impressive? Where, you know, are, is the staff hitting the trail hard, I guess, during this bye week? Yeah, so Miami's used most of their local evaluations, meaning, um, you know, they've basically been to all, they've, they've seen all the kids they can see, in Miami-Dade and Broward and Palm Beach. And they do that because you don't know if these kids are going to be in the playoffs. So they they take advantage uh, that first bye week they had, um, some of the home games they had coaches out on the road. I, I expect what we see on Friday from them and the places they will be will be pretty national. And I expect most of the staff to be out on the road. So uh, stay tuned there. We're, we're going to have it up on the site uh, on Monday. 
uh, or Friday. excuse me, Friday, Friday. I don't even know what day, day today is, but yes, it'll okay. be, it, 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 they're going to make some big stops and some notable ones from what I've gathered so far. All right. Anything else you want to touch on with recruiting? No, let's, let's shift it over to, uh, your, your side of the things. Let's talk about something you wrote on Thursday. Cause you just told me it's Thursday. You and we've been discussing this for a while now. You kind of pieced together a 2020 depth chart for Miami, um, yeah. where you projected the two deep, assuming and just try to figure out which guys would come, which guys would go. It's kind of like us with the 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 class of 2020, the recruiting class. So I guess, I mean, we're not going to go position by position here and read off what you have or what. If you guys want to check it out, Miami.247sports.com. But David, your initial takeaway when you kind of piece together this 2020 projection. Yeah, so I guess the first thing would be on paper, I like how the defense looks. Um, you know, they return. So I'm projecting John Garvin and John Ford to return for their senior seasons. Um, you know, they they certainly should and I assume will explore their NFL draft options, but I think it's in their best interest to come back. I would say the same about cornerback Trajan Bandy. Um so those are three big additions in terms of depth and experience and talent. And, you know, when you look at the defensive guys that are playing this year that are young, you would assume and hope that they continue to improve and, and take a jump this offseason going into next year. So that would be a guy like Greg Rousseau, who's already producing at a very high level. He should be even better next year. I think that's very exciting. I think a guy like Jalen Phillips, who's redshirting this year um, after transferring, but he has five-star talent. I think he's a guy who, at the very least, can be productive in a pure pass-rushing role because he is an athletic freak. I think, too, if you look at the defensive tackle position that they have, these young current freshmen with Jason Blissett from New York, Jared Harrison Hunt from New York as well, and then Jalar Hawley, who I think is the only one of the three traveling with the team. Is that right? Oh, so he's the he's the hype man. I think that's why. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so we we I didn't mean, think he. Uh, I mean, real quickly, I don't want to cut you off. Like we thought he was probably the the bottom of, of yes. those three, and he's traveling. I think because he might be playing the best of the three. So, right. uh, dancing antics aside, that that should be viewed as a positive. So I like the talent of those three guys. Now they are still young for that position, so you never know how it's going to go. But I would guess one, probably two, maybe all three will bubble up into you know, significant playing time in the rotation. You also have Nesta Silvera, who I think is coming on very strong these last two yeah. or three games. He is taking that next step. You would assume uh, that will continue into this offseason. So... You know, and then Jafari Harvey, who, you know, is another guy that's an edge rusher that is a freak athlete, not playing much at all this freshman year, but that's going to change next year, and he's going to be one of their impact pass rushers. So just on paper, the defensive line has a chance to be special, in my opinion. Um, I know we said that coming into this season, and it took a little while to see that come to fruition, but... I think next year's group could be even better just in terms of athleticism, to be honest. Um, and then linebacker, go ahead. Quick, quick. No, 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 I'll get to it later. I, I had something later on. But I was just going to touch on linebacker. You know, that's the position of interest to me on defense. Obviously, Zach McLeod coming back, that's a big deal. That's one starter spot locked up. So the other one will be, honestly, it's a battle between, what, five or six guys? And... Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting because I think you got two young athletic guys in Sam Brooks and Avery Huff who are young, inexperienced, still probably learning the position, to be honest, but by far the two best athletes of the group. And then you got the veterans, the guys like uh, Wayneman Steed, BJ Jennings, and Patrick Joyner, um, who have been in the program longer, probably know the defense a little better, but are much more limited from an athletic standpoint. So, you know, and then the secondary, it's basically all the same guys coming back outside of Robert Knowles. Um, so you would assume that group will continue to improve, get better, even play better 
within the defense from a communication uh, standpoint between the guys. So, yeah, that just my first takeaway, obviously, is that the defense is good for next year. <laughs> They're good. It's, dude, it's good. I mean, you just said it like the entire secondary returns. And you got to think the Corey Couch is going to be bigger. I think you Christian Williams. I know. Like, dude. So, I think, like, honestly, I think those two guys will push uh, Al Blades and DJ Ivy for the starting jobs this offseason. I think Al and, and DJ I, yeah. are playing better recently, but they're not playing perfect. You know what I mean? Like, they're still. Hey, and the a true, little... in the true TNM spirit. You know, the, the battle on green trees is just going to be great all off season. Like those yeah. guys are going to push each, each other. And then my second takeaway when looking at next year's depth chart, I guess, would be, you know, I think it's huge that they are returning basically their st- entire starting offensive line. So I guess I am assuming that Navon Donaldson will come back uh, for his senior year. I just oh, don't think he, he, does he want to play in the XFL or what? <laughs> Right. I don't think he's ready to make the jump yet. Um, So, yeah, I mean, look, they've taken their lumps this year with a young, inexperienced offensive line. It is starting to turn the corner in these last three games. You're starting to see progress and development and improvement. Now it's still not where it needs to be, um, but it is getting better. And you would hope and assume that after another offseason in the strength and conditioning program, guys like Zion Nelson and Ja'Kai Clark will get bigger, stronger, faster. You know, of course, their techniques will improve as well. Uh, you know, I think, too, it, it would help Navon Donaldson coming back for another year and really focusing in on getting his conditioning at on point, right? Like, there is talent there. He is a talented player at his size. But man, if he focused on dropping like 30 pounds, it would really help his ability to make a living playing football. I think Corey Gaynor, he's definitely one of the key leaders on the offense as a whole. And he's only going to continue to improve there. And and DJ Scaife, you know, I think this offseason would be good for him too because last season he was bounced around um, as Butch Berry was learning about his guys. Uh, DJ lined up at left tackle, right tackle, guard, even open fall camp, I think, at guard. I don't know. He he started the Florida game at guard. So I think going through an entire offseason, knowing, hey, you're our right tackle, uh, get better with your technique there, focus in on, on being the best right tackle you can be, I think that's only going to help DJ Scaife as well, who is also taking his game to another level right now too. So, yeah, well, I th- offensive and, and, line is a huge deal for this program. And the fact that all of them are coming back, I think that's a very good sign for the offense moving forward. And you're not even including John Campbell, who we've seen right. push for some playing time. He's going to be a, what would he be, a redshirt sophomore next year? Right. Usman Torore, like that's another veteran body. Yeah, I was kind of like, I'm I'm staring at it right now, and it's like, whoa, this group is like... They've kind of weeded out some of the guys that weren't really cutting it. They improve. Assuming they continue to develop, it's not bad. It's it's not bad. I'm not saying it's great, but there's the pieces there. And what it assuming that these guys are are like you said, they all develop, and it's going to allow you to redshirt a guy like Jalen Rivers. It's going to allow you to redshirt a guy like Chris Washington. Um, Yeah, it's 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 pretty good. question i had for you kind of going through all this and i don't think we really need to talk about what, what's going to happen at quarterback and running back or tight end if miami were to take some grad transfers where do you think you would you would kind of plug them in what positions do you think that miami might be open to taking a guy it's weird because they just did it this year but i i honestly think if they can get another productive grad transfer receiver I, I, I would, dude, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I think it'd be worth doing. I mean, look, D. Wiggins is coming on strong. There's no doubt. Uh, Mark Pope has a ton of talent. Uh, Mike Harley's coming on strong, too. I'm a big believer in Jeremiah Payton. But still, like, is there a number one guy there for next year? I don't know. 
So, and look, honestly, maybe it doesn't matter if you believe Jaron continues to take these steps in which he can be a very good college quarterback and throw guys open because D Wiggins, Mark Pope, Jeremiah Payton, maybe they won't be number one receivers, but they're still good enough to get open on the college level. And if, if Jaron has the time to find those guys, maybe it won't matter. But in my opinion, I, and I think we've seen in general, um, after year one of the transfer portal, right? Around the country, one position group that has had some success uh, in terms of transferring and and producing at a new school is wide receiver, right? Yeah, I would say wide receiver as well. The that's the one that jumps out to me. I mean, again, now that I'm like looking at the projected depth chart, like, does Miami really need a, a grad transfer corner, or do they really need a junior college no. corner? Like, no. I, yeah, everyone comes back, and these guys are going to get better. I mean believe in your coaching and your development like that that's not a position of of need one uh, one spot where i do think they could try to figure it out is is kicker maybe a, a graduate transfer yeah. place kicker yeah that does make sense i mean we'll see how camden closes out the season but i think that's definitely something they should explore too tell me this in terms of nfl draft stuff uh, are you with me on the assumption? Like, I assume Jeff Thomas is going to the NFL. Are you with me on that? Yeah, just because of the conversation I have with someone this week, and that's what they brought up on their own. So, yeah, that okay. leads me to believe. Like, like, I would agree. Yes. And then, and, and the, uh, remember, we were talking about this. Like, I actually think he has a chance to be pretty good in the NFL. Yeah. You know, like, no, he will. Given, given where the league is. And then, so the guy I have a hard time at this point projecting NFL or, or coming back is DJ Dallas only because, I mean, look, I think at that position, if you're a junior and you get the indication that you will get picked anywhere in the draft, I think because of that position, you should go. Um, so I, with DJ, I think if that's the case, he should go. But the thing I will say about DJ is there might not be a guy on the team who loves the University of Miami more. So that gives me pause in terms of like, if he if Miami keeps trending in an upward trajectory and things look really good when all is said and done on this 2019 season, would DJ want to come back and kind of leave a mark in terms of, you know, that 2020 season could be a, a big season for the program uh, in terms of... Go ahead. And is the schedule like a little bit easier? I don't even have it on. I mean, we don't know the ACC schedule, but I mean, it's going to be a little bit more favorable. Like you're not opening with Florida, correct? You won't open with Florida. I think we're seeing maybe the coastal will be a little better. I mean, like UNC will be better and UNC beat Miami this year. Um, I think it, overall it'll be about the same schedule, which isn't a hard schedule, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I guess if I'm putting you on the spot, what would you expect dj to do at this point well i didn't expect travis homer to leave last year so i think i would lean towards him going but i could also yeah. see him returning right i i think like i said if he gets the indication he's gonna get drafted he needs to he needs to go um he now has a family to support so that's obviously a serious thing to consider but like i said if there is a dude who will come back it would be DJ, right? Yeah. That's that's a it's a good take. It's a good theory. The other thing that we haven't uh, discussed is his uh, he's got a son. You know, he's, right. he's got a newborn child too. So I think there could be some pressure there for him to um, go and, and and get paid. But we right. don't know if that's that's gonna be the deciding factor. Anything else with the depth chart you think was interesting? Oof, real quickly, because I know we're trying to wrap this up. Um, I wanted to maybe talk through that secondary group. Uh, you, you got Amari Carter starting at one of the safety spots, Gervin Hall at the other. Um, right. Do you think there's a chance they can move Amari Carter to, say, maybe a striker, and that allows Bubba Bolden to be uh, the starting safety? I know there was a 
raging debate on our message board about this. I mean, some people are projecting Bubba Bolden to be the starting safety. We have no idea what his injury is, what what the rehab is going right. to be. I mean, he should be good to go for the season. Assuming Bubba Bolden's healthy, do you think you move a guy like Amari Carter to striker in order to get your best and most experienced players on the field? If Bubba Bolden comes back totally healthy and shows no sign of slowing down from the injury... Yes. I projected Amari as a safety in this depth chart because I just think that's a wait and see thing. And right. so Yeah. Well don't don't tell the people that were all all over me about that. I mean, I don't think TV showed what Bubba's injury looked like as he ran off the field, but it was pretty gruesome. It wasn't pretty. Um so yeah, I mean look and and you know, guys do come back from these types of injuries all the time. I'm not saying that Bubba's career is in jeopardy or anything like that, but you know, I just I want to see it first. And yeah. if I was Miami, I would have the same approach in spring ball, um, because I mean, Gilbert still like Gilbert's done fine this year. I still don't for some reason. It's not again. It's not Gilbert's fault, but for some reason, I don't really trust him out there <laughs> at this point. Um, but he has performed fairly well when, when the opportunities come his way. Um, and I think they've just been grooming him this whole year to be the striker. Yeah, no, I mean, they've played him in a lot of games and I think it's because they know Romeo is going to be gone. Right. And I do moments too. I do think Amari, like I said, if Bubba is good to go at safety, I think Amari at striker does make sense. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I'd, I, he's better in the box and than he is in coverage. There's no question about that. And, and I'm talking like over-the-top zone type stuff. Right. Um, shifting gears real quick. Uh, bowl game. I know you're starting to put together some, some bowl game projections. Right. Or you're going you're gonna to piece them together. That'll probably be up on the side Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, one of those days. Where do you think or what's a likely landing spot for, for yeah. Miami? So most people... Uh, are projecting Miami to play either in the uh, Music City Bowl, which is in Nashville, against the SEC opponent. And so right now those opponents are projected to be like Tennessee, Kentucky, uh, Missouri. And right now all those teams are kind of like in the 5-4 five, five and four or 4-5 and five range in terms of records. Um, and then the other popular projection is the Sun Bowl which is in El Paso, which Miami has played in a few times over the last, I don't know, 12 years or so maybe. And that's against a Pac-12 team. And so the teams there that are projected are teams like Cal, uh, some Arizona states are in there, even a Washington state. Um, So those are the two most popular ones. And then you get peppered in there like the Belk Bowl, which is in, in North Carolina. That's also an SEC opponent um there was one camping world um which they're not getting projected very much for the camping world because most of these projections have notre dame going there which i think makes sense Uh, but if notre dame gets picked for a new year's six game then miami to the camping world could happen and that would be well i guess 12 right that's big 12 And, and a lot of people are projecting kansas state there um, and we can get into it too, but like, I guess there's this, uh, feeling out there that the orange bowl could happen. Um, <laughs> not many people are projecting that yet. I guess wake forest would have to end the season on a very poor note for that to happen. Um, but yeah, well, right think, now, I think the, the, what is it like? Basically Miami could get picked if no one and no ACC team is ranked right. inside the top 25 is of the college football committee's rankings is that is that the, yes. how that would happen which could happen i mean wake force is about to play clemson this week and i think it just came out that their best or second best player whatever their quarterback is good but their best receiver yes yeah, is, yeah, is done for the year right so that's a big blow to wake forest yeah well i mean my take on this is if I'm Miami, I think that we touched on this in the instant reaction podcast, like get me in a bowl game against an opponent. I think I can beat and, and beat pretty handily. Like right. I know all the fans want them to, 
get a rematch with Florida or take on Texas or something like that. And yeah, sure. That's great. I just think from a big picture perspective, nine and four would look a lot better than eight and five, nine and four would also help a lot more with recruiting. Um, they don't need to go out there and get run over by a Wisconsin again or anything like that. I, I, I would I be pushing and cheering for an opponent. I think I can beat, even if that's a group of five, one, like just give me something yeah. that we can beat. I think if you have to recognize what you are, and Miami is eight and four, um, they are an oh, eight and four team. They would so, be eight and four. We're, we're assuming that they're you know if beating. they're in play for the Orange Bowl, right? So that a lot of these projections for the Orange Bowl, honestly, are like Georgia, Alabama. Would that be good for an eight and four Miami team to play a team like Georgia? I don't know. I think it would be better for this team right now to play, you know, a Kentucky in the Music City Bowl or something and, and you know, have a shot to win that game. You end the year nine and four and you have some nice momentum going into this 2020 season, which, as we touched on, your depth chart looks pretty good for next year. You know, a lot of this is similar trajectory wise to. Mark Rick's first year in 2016. When, yeah. When, uh, so they beat West Virginia, right? Yeah. And uh, Camping World. Camping World, they beat West Virginia, who I think West Virginia was like ranked top 15, to be honest. Um, but Miami won that game. And what happened with the momentum and, and the kickstart to the following season? Miami won 10 straight. Um, and, that was, and that's when they signed that, that elite uh, Storm 18 recruiting class. Right. So, I mean, look, yeah, it's always cool if your team's playing in the Orange Bowl or, or playing in one of these New Year's Six games. Um, but I think where Miami is right now this season, is it's more important to try and just win the game. And I personally would not like a matchup against a, you know, team in the Orange Bowl. That's just me. I'm on the same page. Um, last thing, any games you're watching this weekend or you just kind of like checked out? I mean, you can be checked out. It's fine. Yeah. I'm just kind of doing dad life to be honest. I got like some kids parties I got to go to. So yeah. Yeah. You're kind of a weekend, right? But yeah. So I don't know how much college football, honestly, I'm going to be watching on Saturday just because I'll be out of the house hanging out with some five-year-olds. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to do it. We're going to wrap it up here. Uh, I do want to say thank you to everyone who um, has subscribed to Inside the U uh, at some point over the past week or so. I think we had 180 subscriptions um, get following that Louisville game, which was third in the network. Obviously, we love our subscribers who have been with us through this whole thing, but it's good to see the growth of the site. Um, so thank you again. Uh, and if you guys aren't signed up, you should definitely do it. I think you can still get your first month for $1. So check it out. Exciting times ahead, early signing period. So definitely do that. Thanks guys. Take care. All right. Later. Later.